From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm your host, Amanda Icone. We know that there are winners and losers in the tax code. For example, those who earn a living off their investments pay a lower effective tax rate than those of us who pay payroll taxes. Tax breaks for companies in certain industries, mortgage deductions for those fortunate to own their own home. But what we don't know is the race of those who are benefiting from those perks and those who are missing out. The Internal Revenue Service is quite intentionally colorblind, but researchers and advocates say that whether or not the tax system perpetuates wealth disparities is key to understanding economic inequality and how it fuels systemic racism in the U.S. Bloomberg tax reporter Ali Versprill joins me to talk about race, inequality, and how the IRS is responding to what has been a tumultuous 2020. You know, I was talking to a former Treasury official who said that their belief is that race, gender, religion, these types of things shouldn't have any potential influence on tax administration decisions. And they also have talked to me about having a, a fear of maybe the data being misused in some way. So, you know, you report that your race is X and then potentially there's someone within the IRS that targets you unfairly because of that information you reported, or even that, you know, collecting that information, uh, reporting some of those disparities, that that could result in a kind of a perception of discrimination within the IRS, even if the agency maybe isn't actually auditing or taking collection actions against taxpayers based on their race. Those seem like, on the surface, valid reasons not to collect this information. But what could we learn if the IRS did collect data on race? I mean, how might it shape our understanding of the impact that the U.S. tax system has on everyday Americans and their economic position? So, you know, the biggest thing, and and that's what this is, right? It's a risk-benefits type balance here. And you have to determine if maybe some of these concerns that people have on the government side, um, if those outweigh the benefits. But researchers will say that there are a lot of benefits to doing this, that you'll be able to get a better idea if, say, you know, tax breaks like the mortgage interest deduction or um, the child tax credit, if those are actually benefiting groups equally or if you're seeing certain groups, you know, taking it more often. And so basically just getting a feel for you know, whether tax breaks are benefiting one group over another, if there are things that Congress could do to maybe change that to make it more equitable. Um, There's also a lot that you could glean from IRS enforcement efforts as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we've Mm -hmm. seen studies recently showing that IRS audits, um, you know, that a lot of them center on kind of these low-income areas that tend to have predominantly Black or minority populations. And so having an understanding that that's going on can better help to, you know, educate lawmakers on the type of legislation they may need to enact. So what about Congress? Have any lawmakers entered into this discussion? I mean, what's the reaction from Capitol Hill? I mean, do they want this information? Do they feel like there's a need for this information? It's interesting that you ask that because there actually has been some work happening behind the scenes. Uh, maybe have the IRS do some of this collection. Um, so we have Senator Sherrod Brown in Ohio has told us that, you know, he hopes to introduce reduce a bill that would require additional reporting by the IRS, potentially in consultation with other agencies. 
on racial disparities in the tax system. Um, also, we have House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Richard Neal. Uh, he's told us that he's writing legislation aimed at requiring collection of taxpayer race data. So it's definitely a discussion that's happening on Capitol Hill right now, mostly among Democratic lawmakers, and really prompted by you know the national conversation we're seeing on race right now amid all of the protest um, of you know police violence against unarmed unarmed black individuals. So we'll have to see how that shapes up uh, in the rest of the year. On that same vein, looking ahead, lawmakers are also been debating what should be in the next stimulus package that we might see this fall. It might include possibly another round of direct relief payments to individuals, yet the poorest and most vulnerable Americans are still waiting, Allie, for their stimulus checks from the spring, from the CARES Act. Update us on the status of those payments. I mean, how many payments are we talking about that have gone on undelivered at this point? So what the IRS will tell me it's, is that it's really hard to pinpoint an exact number, right? Because the individuals that are missing out on these payments are ones that typically won't file a tax return because they are underneath certain income thresholds to, to have that requirement. And so the IRS has a hard time knowing who those people are. Um, but we've seen you know, estimates that this is definitely in the millions. So we have millions of people out there the ones that are kind of in the worst condition right now, um, and they still don't have their payments. You know, the IRS has asked uh, tax professionals actually for help in trying to reach some of those underserved populations. The agency said it's been reaching out to homeless shelters and, and groups that might have contact with these individuals. Um, so we'll just have to see, you know, how many people they can actually reach uh, with those extra efforts. I thought it was really fascinating that your story, you found that, you know, it sounds obvious when you think about it, but it, it you know there's no list of every adult American in the country, right? Because to your point, not everybody pays taxes, right? And I think it's a you know, and I think it's a group of people that sometimes really gets overlooked as well. You know, they're um, they're not paying taxes, they're in you know situations that a lot of us can't even even fathom. You know, they're in. Uh, some of these individuals are homeless, some are in abusive relationships and staying in shelters because of that. Um, so it's really, truly horrible situations and individuals that could use those payments right now. So new mandates like the CARES Act from Congress are never simple. And the IRS has also struggled to answer a growing volume of questions about these stimulus payments. Members of Congress, nonprofits, health clinics have been picking up some of that slack. But I wonder what kinds of questions are they fielding? I mean, what is so complicated about these stimulus payments? Well, so I think one thing you have to remember with programs like these are that, you know, the IRS was under a lot of pressure to get these out quickly to hundreds of millions of people. And, um, you know, they did get them out to, uh, right now they're saying, more than 160 million individuals. Um, but with that type of speed, you know, always comes mistakes. And so they've sent payments out to deceased individuals and are now trying to get that money back. Um, there are individuals who have reported that they should have received a $500 supplemental payment for having a dependent and they never saw that money. Um, there's also just, you know, really 
technical specific issues that our people are having, maybe using the IRS website to get their payments. So the agency is fielding questions from all over the place. um, And lawmakers are also getting, you know, those questions to their offices as well. And so they're looking to the IRS to kind of help them, you know, field the thousands of inquiries they're getting. Well, that backlog is not likely to get any better if there's another stimulus package coming this fall. So I wonder, what is the IRS doing to address that demand and prepare for the next round? Are they making any changes? So on the IRS side right now, they've told lawmakers that they plan to assign up to 5% of their customer service representative resources to answering questions coming to the congressional mailbox. Um, You know, the agency has also brought thousands of employees back to field questions, to sift through its mail backlog, um, to do all of those things. So it's trying to get back to business. It's trying to, you know, catch up with some of this. But um, I think one of the more startling figures was that IRS Commissioner Charles Reddick said that their congressional mailbox, just the inquiries from going to Congress's offices, um, that they're getting a thousand emails a day, but only closing inquiries of a, at a rate of about a thousand one hundred to two thousand a week. So you can imagine that that backlog is just continuing to grow. Um, if you have a second round of payments, obviously you could see some more issues crop up. Um, and former IRS officials do tell me the most important thing to remember here is is Congress should try to keep you know a second round of payments, the legislative language. They should try to keep it as close to the first uh, the first package as they can. That way, the IRS doesn't have to adjust its systems too much. Um, you know, it already has some procedures in place to deal with the first round. So hopefully that would make a second round a little bit smoother. Well, speaking of mail piling up, there's another backlog brewing. Uh, the IRS also has a mountain of unopened mail that has accumulated over the last few months, including potentially payments from taxpayers that have yet to be processed. How much mail are we talking about? And do we have any idea how many tax payments are sitting there waiting to be opened? So earlier this earlier this summer, the IRS said that, you know, it had approximately 12 million pieces of unopened correspondence in its inventory. Um, so it came back to a huge backlog. And that was because you know, it had to close down a lot of its offices due to COVID-19. Um, just this week, an IRS official said that they had closed down about 90% of their facilities. Um, so obviously there weren't people there to process that paper mail. And so one of the issues with this is that you have a lot of, you know, correspondence with taxpayers just sitting there, and that includes maybe payments, it includes um, responses to mail audits, uh, so it's really important information, and there's a lot of there's a lot of ability for there to be a mix-up, right? For someone to have made a payment to the IRS or responded to a notice, and the agency to not have opened that yet and accidentally send another notice, right? So mm. um, it's a, it's a huge issue. It's something that they're trying to deal with, and it's something that lawmakers are also paying attention to as well. So what's lawmakers' response to this alley? I mean, are they concerned about this growing backlog? So House Ways and Means actually on uh, House Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal actually on August 19th uh, did say he wants the agency to temporarily halt sending notices for unpaid taxes to taxpayers um, to address that specific issue, right? An issue where maybe you've made a payment, 
the agency has not yet opened it and is now see- sending you this deficiency notice, um, which ad- was which as you know the chairman says you know this really is it's a stressful time already for taxpayers and to get a notice like that just adds to your stress level. That was Ali Versprill, senior reporter for Bloomberg Tax, covering the IRS and Treasury. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. And if you have any thoughts about today's podcast, reach out to us on Twitter. We use the handle at tax. That's at T-A-X. Talking Tax is produced by Amanda Icone and David Schultz. Kathy Larson is our editor. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition. From Washington, I'm Amanda Icone. Hey there, I'm Kyle Trigstad, politics editor for Bloomberg Government. And I'm Greg Giroux, senior elections reporter for Bloomberg Government. Check out our podcast, Down Ballot Counts. Each week, Greg and I will be breaking down all of those down ballot elections that make up the fight for the U.S. Congress. Listen and subscribe to Down Ballot Counts from Bloomberg Government wherever you get your podcasts.